Welcome to the Danish National Biobank podcast. In an age group mostly free from severe diseases, one of the major health issues that young people face is infertility. Not being able to have children can be devastating. This episode looks into research on possible fetal causes of male infertility in a research project called FIPAS. Um, my name is Sandra Søgaard-Tuttenborg. I'm a reproductive and environmental epidemiologist here at the Department of Occupational and Environmental Medicine uh, at Bispebjerg Hospital. Um, so FAPAS, uh, it stands for uh, Fetal Programming of Semen Quality. Uh, it's a male offspring cohort uh, where we're trying to uh, figure out fetal causes of adult semen quality. And uh, I'm the principal investigator of this cohort. In like basic terms, what is FAPAS? Can you, can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah, so so FIPAS is a is a male offspring cohort. Uh, that means that um, it's approximately a thousand sons of uh, mothers who participated in a cohort back in the late 90s, beginning of the two thousands, the Danish National Birth Cohort, and um, where we're inviting them to to uh, provide us with semen samples and urine samples and blood samples, uh, so that we can relate the things that the mother did during their pregnancy. And uh, we have uh, all these uh, questionnaires and uh, blood samples on the, uh, on the mother's side from back when they were pregnant. We're able to relate uh, the exposures back during pregnancy uh, to the health of the son today, um, specifically to their uh, semen quality. Right. Why is it important? So FAPAS is important because semen quality is, uh, is rather uh, poor uh, in Denmark and other countries. Uh, and we haven't really been able uh, to figure out why. Uh, a lot of studies has looked, uh, have looked uh, at uh, potential causes of this uh, in adult populations, but we haven't really figured like the key or the main cause uh, yet. So now we're starting to look to the fetal uh, period, uh, the prenatal period, uh, to see if we can find the cause uh, there. So how big of a problem is this? Um, are we heading for a dystopia, I guess? Uh, like, you know, the film yeah. Children of Men, perhaps? No, we definitely, we're not seeing a crisis, but um, sperm quality is definitely low. I mean, a lot of uh, young uh, couples, they uh, experience infertility. And in half of these cases, uh, the man is the main or contributing factor uh, in this infertility. And you know, us young people, we we uh, we don't get cancers, we don't get diabetes. I mean, I mean most of us uh, don't, um, but uh, we experience uh, this infertility. It's the main disease in uh, in our um, age group, I would say. So, so this, is a, this is a very big uh, personal and societal uh, problem, although not necessarily a crisis. Right. Perhaps I should say that the, the children of men, the, the film I, I mentioned, <laughs> yeah. is, is like 
this scenario where there are no new babies. So we're not heading for that scenario. No, a lot of great researchers are working on uh, preventing that and even improving it, yeah. Sounds good. So how did the idea for the study come about? Well, it started um, way back, uh, back in, I think it was 1977, that uh, it was uh, observed that people uh, or, or men who had a, a short-term and low exposure to uh, a chemical also uh, had lower um, sperm quality. And uh, people were starting to see, uh, look to if other chemicals could do the same. Uh, they were really uh, worried about that. But um, studies were rather reassuring, so uh, we couldn't really find the, the reason uh, or a problem there. Um, but then, uh, almost 20 years ago, our colleagues at Ries Hospital, they, uh, they uh, suggested this hypothesis that uh, all these reproductive problems or disorders in men, so cryptorchidism, hyperspadias, and uh, testicular cancer and, and low sperm quality, uh, that it um, derives from, it's like a symptom of a common uh, disorder originating uh, from fetal life. Um, and it seemed rather plausible that uh, the endocrine milieu that the fetus is in, uh, that it can really affect the development of health uh, and also affect health in later life. So I think that was the main reason we started this, was to really look at, uh, at this fetal origin of uh, male reproductive health. A lot of studies has been done in that, but they have been rather small in size because the logistics of a male um, offspring cohort as Fabus is actually it's really, really difficult and time consuming. And you need like a, a large sample of uh, parents uh, and you need a lot of uh, material on the parents um, to actually relate their behavior during uh, fetal life to the health of the, the child or the young adult. Um, well, you're kind of touching on uh, the, the subject, but um, what methods are you using in, in FIPOS? How, how do you analyze the, the data? What, what, how does uh, the research function, I guess? Um, yeah, so it's a, our setup is it's a long, longitudinal uh, cohort design. Uh, where we uh, relate uh, the information that we have on the mothers um, to uh, outcomes uh, at present in the sons, who are now 19 years old. Okay, so uh, where does the data come from? So the, so, so the data originates from, um, from the Danish National Birth Cohort, the cohort I mentioned before, uh, which is um, a cohort of around 100,000 uh, women who were included in the beginning of their pregnancy. And then around uh, week, uh, gestational week 12 and 30, and uh, around uh, shortly after their birth, were interviewed by telephone um, and were asked a lot of questions about their behaviors and uh, their lifestyle, what medicine they were taking. Um, and also uh, they, were, um, uh, they were giving blood samples uh, during this period that were stored in the Danish National uh, Biobank. 
Um, and so now we're taking out uh, these uh, samples uh, from the mother uh, and we're running chemical analysis on them to relate to the health of the son today. Um, yeah. Um, what different paths or uh, and you know approaches does the the project consist of? Different angles on the problem, uh, different research groups, and so on. So we we are um, three uh, research groups. Uh, so we have three teams working uh, from different angles. Um, our team is uh, we are particularly interested in occupational and environmental uh, risk factors for uh, semen quality. So that being uh, talate exposure um, and uh, different like heavy lifting or uh, psychosocial stress uh, during pregnancy, work-related stress during pregnancy and how that can disrupt the, the hormonal uh, environment uh, during fetal life and how that affects the, the son's uh, reproductive health today. We have uh, the National Research Institute of Work Environment um, and uh, they're very interested in more stress-related, uh, psychosocial stress-related um, risk factors and how that uh, impacts the hormonal uh, uh, environment for the fetus and how that affects development of the fetus. Then we have the group in Aarhus, at Aarhus University. Um, they are very interested in uh, how lifestyle and, um, and medicine affect uh, reproductive health. So like um, alcohol consumption, uh, folate intake, vitamin D intake, and also uh, analgesic, mild analgesics that you can get over the counter. Mm -hmm. So uh, medication, which is a lot of pregnant women use. Um, so, yeah. Where is the project now? Where, how, how far are you along? So we just, uh, we're very close to uh, including our participant number 1000, uh, which was the goal that we should be finished with that by the end of 2019. So it's going really well. Um, we, uh, we're, when we have done that, we will start uh, packing up uh, and sending back all the biological samples that we have taken that we're not analyzing right now and shipping them to the National uh, Biobank. Uh, for them to store for future projects that we haven't thought of or haven't gotten funding for yet. Right. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, where the idea originated from and mm. this uh, theory. Uh, how, does it look like it, uh, the, the, the theory was uh, valid? Or? Well, I mean, a lot of studies before this have uh, suggested that there is definitely something there. So there's a good reason for us to do this work and to create this big cohort. But we haven't any, we haven't gotten any analysis results yet. Uh, we're still collecting data, um, but it will be very interesting to see if we will see something there. Right. So, so you can't say anything about what direction the, I guess the, where's the arrow pointing? No, not yet. I know you want is me it, to say. <laughs> no, we just we just finished our first study. It hasn't been reviewed yet, so please take this as preliminary results. But um, it, where we have related uh, paternal smoking uh, around first trimester uh, of pregnancy, so the father smoking to a lower semen concentration and total sperm count in the young adult uh, men. 
Um, so that's rather exciting. It looks like that uh, the father also matters. Um, and if that can affect, I mean, maybe there's something there. We will see. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you already like mentioned that um, when you're done with the samples, they will be sent to the Danish National Biobank. Mm -hmm. uh, will they be available for other studies then? Uh, and what kind would they be suited for, I guess? Yeah, so uh, so we're very happy with the collaboration with the Danish National Biobank and with State and Serum Institute and the Danish National Birth Cohort for making this uh, a possibility. Um, they gave us these hundred microliter of uh, of blood uh, from the from the mother, and of course we want to pay that uh, back uh, to. Um, to science and to other researchers, so of course they can they can apply for using uh, those biological samples. They will have to do that uh, through the national birth cohort. Uh, they will own the samples uh, once we deliver them. Um, there will be semen samples, there will be blood samples and urine from the sons. So now there will not only be blood from the mother, but like this blood in mother-son uh, pairings. Um, so I mean. Researchers out there can can start thinking about what they can use it for, but I mean, of course, we're looking to see if we can do any epigenetic uh, analysis. That would be very exciting. Talk a bit about the the role of the Danish National Biobank and, and your collaboration with it. Yeah, so so uh, the Dan. The Danish National Biobank is where uh, the maternal blood samples are stored, um, and so we, uh, we of course we filed, we did an application if we could uh, get some of the mother's blood, uh, and we and we could. We were very lucky. Of course, they have to rationize uh, ration it, uh, so we could only get a little bit, but enough to make our chemical analysis. So we were very happy about that. And now they will also take care of our samples once we return uh, the samples of the sons. Right. So uh, I understand that Fipos was inspired by research involving animal experiments. And um, I read that on your website. Mm -hmm. uh, if uh, Fipos was inspired by these animal experiments, um, what can we learn from that? And, and can we expect to find uh, um, similar findings in humans now? I mean, of course, always uh, animal studies are great because you can um, you can expose animals to things that you wouldn't do uh, in a randomized control trial with, with people. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you wouldn't randomize someone to smoke or to uh, do any other thing potentially harmful or expose, uh, expose them to chemicals. Um, so of course, this setup uh, with humans, it's it's not as controlled uh, because we're looking at real people who do things that we cannot register and uh, and control for. But still, I mean, um, this real human data, uh, we we need that to to see if the animal studies are pointing us in the right direction. We need that to actually confirm if it's uh, true for for humans as well. Animals, rats are not humans, pigs are not humans either, although sometimes they come close. Right. Yeah. So if, and if you have a big enough sample size, I guess you can find people that are doing this stuff by themselves anyway? Yeah. Right. Um, and now, yeah, they randomize right. themselves to yeah. exposure, yeah. Right. 
And, and now I'm, I'm coming back to the big question. <laughs> How is the data looking so far? The, the data is great. We just haven't analyzed it yet. But we have the data. I'm just curious, what do you expect will, will be the implications of, of the study based on... Uh, how the data is looking, I guess, at the, at the moment. Yeah, um, I mean, I think with this sample, this is this cohort is the largest in the world. Uh, it's the largest male offspring cohort that we have. So, and it ha it has the power to say if there is something or not. Um, looking into the mechani the mechanisms that will be uh, of the findings will be uh, difficult. And maybe animal studies, we can go back to animal studies and look at the mechanisms. But we can definitely get a sense of, uh, it's big enough to get a sense of if, uh, if there is a true connection between the fetal environment and, uh, and semen quality in adult life. So what are we hoping for uh, in terms of implications? How, would, how can it affect society, I guess, this... this information will gain well if we if if we know what uh, what is harmful during pregnancy or uh, even before conception then we can also uh, prevent these things so from our ex uh, from our perspective here at the department of occupational uh, medicine of course we will go and we can take a look at the work environment are people being uh, exposed to potentially reproductive toxicants Uh, and to make sure that they are uh, removed. Um, so, so that would be a great... I mean, if we can identify um, dangerous substances out there that people are actually exposed to, then that would be a great implication that we can remove that. So when we have the findings, mm -hmm. um, do you think if, if they're solid enough that they will be able to change behavior in the population? I suppose, particularly young people and, and couples trying to get pregnant. How do you apply this information to, to make an impact? Um, I mean, of course, we can always look to the individual to change their behavior, but we would prefer it to be systemic uh, changes that we do. So through regulations, not through information and depending on the individual. So, but of course, I mean, we can educate them on what is dangerous and what is potentially hazardous to their fetuses, but really I think it's the um, system that should uh, protect these young couples. I would still like to hear um, what kind of results you're hoping for or, or expecting to find. There's a lot of evidence pointing to the, fe the fetal life or this fetal origin of, of uh, adult disease. Uh, that, that is true. I mean, can you imagine how many things happen during uh, uh, the development of the fetus? I mean, if the hormonal environment uh, or the signaling is uh, disrupted, I mean, it's difficult to imagine that not having long-term consequences, right? Sure. Do you have any suspects, I guess, uh, in um, certain chemicals, behaviors that, that you expect uh, has an impact? Yeah, so we're um, specifically looking at phthalates tal uh, and, um, and meta metabolites of mild analgesics. We're looking at uh, triclosan and um, bisphenol. 
But again, I mean, we have a long list of, of uh, chemicals that we're uh, looking to because uh, everything needs to be tested here. But how, how does the pregnant woman come into contact with these chemicals? Oh, through the environment. It's everywhere. What's the most important takeaway about FIPAS so far? It's a great, huge cohort uh, with endless opportunities to really examine uh, this fetal, uh, fetal origin of, uh, of adult disease hypothesis, this fetal programming of uh, semen quality hypothesis. So, uh, yeah, what's next? What's the next uh, step? We just applied uh, for funding for collecting another thousand uh, or getting another thousand participants. We want to continue to grow and expand. Uh, the more people we get, the the greater the power to also investigate uh, exposure that exposures that are not uh, that um, prevalent. Uh, so smoking and uh, some chemicals are pretty prevalent. It's omnipresent, but um, also like. Let's say, like uh, medicines. Uh, some medicines are not widely used uh, throughout pregnancy, but needs to be uh, investigated anyway. So that is our hope. All right. Anything else to add? No. People are welcome to to join us if they uh, if they have uh, great research ideas. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We will soon return with more research insights and inspirations from our collaborators and our freezers.